Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Autism Stories. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience, and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their insights. If you'd like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We'd also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review, as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. On many episodes, there have been conversations here on Autism Stories about inclusive communities. However, we rarely have talked about one very overwhelming place in our communities, and that is barbershops and hair salons. That's why I'm excited to talk with Demi Rivera today. Demi owns her own hair salon, and we discuss how she makes the salon inclusive for neurodivergent folks. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Demi, thanks so much for joining me on Autism Stories. Thank you so much for having me. This is a really awesome thing to be invited to. I wanted to start out by learning where does your story in the autistic community begin? So I was diagnosed with autism actually just a few years ago. 2019 was when I went through my evaluation process. I went to a place in Denver that works specifically with evaluating children and adults, which is a fairly rare thing to find. And I I just kind of, you know, went into it mainly at the advice of uh, my family members. Both of my dad's sisters are occupational therapists, and they They knew something I think was happening when I was a kid, but it was kind of hard to tell just with limited, limited research at the time back in the nineties and women and non-binary people express a lot of different traits than I think than uh, male. So it took a long time for me to realize that that was kind of what was going on. I had a lot of various diagnoses over the years when I was a teenager, you know, obsessive compulsive disorder, anxiety, borderline personality disorder, all of these things that really when I started to put the things together, I'm like, oh. So I had gotten evaluated, and maybe two months later, they came back with the paperwork and saying, yep, you're a level one on the autism spectrum. And it was quite a quite a shock to me, but I also felt like it changed everything for the better. I was able to really understand myself a lot better, like be, being able to understand my family a lot better. And yeah, so it's really only been a few years. I feel fairly kind of new to the community and still trying to kind of you know, figure out where I fit in everything. I'm trying to kind of understand, you know, things that maybe I masked and hid over the years and trying to unlearn that. So still fairly new. Now, we've had over 200 interviews here on Autism Stories, and I've talked with a lot of people who do a lot of different things. However, I've never talked with anyone that owns their own hair salon like yourself. What made you want to pursue being a hairstylist and then opening up your own salon? So my grandmother's a hairstylist, and I kind of grew up around uh, her her little home studio that she had in her basement. Spent a lot of time at her house, and so that was a very familiar kind of trade for me. Made a lot of sense, you know, working with my hands. It was something I wanted to do. Initially, when I finished high school, I thought I wanted to go to art school, and initially ended up settling on hair school because it was a very, like, tangible way for me to get my creative outlet. 
I was doing my own hair, my friend's hair in high school, and it just made sense to me. And I said, all right, let's let's go to school and give it a shot. And that was about 10 years ago. So then I had pretty much only worked in full-size salons up until now. I had been working with Aveda for a while. I really only ever, you know, decided to go out on my own after I realized that me being on the spectrum was going to be really difficult to work in a normal salon environment. So after some time of just really constantly being in sensory overload and not knowing it, I realized that I could just do this on in my own room or in my own studio. I don't have to... I don't have to deal with all of the excess noise and people and socializing and all these things that, like I was saying about the shop, yeah, it it just started to make more sense to me over time because there were a lot of people who had salon suites that, you know, they just were doing it in the sense of like, well, I I just want to have my own business and run my own, you know, books and just have control over everything. And that also intersects a lot, I think, with being autistic, that it's nice to have control over those things. So after some time of just feeling really overwhelmed and not feeling like I was fitting in with my colleagues and fitting in, like I was having a lot of just kind of, you know, friendship conflicts and client conflicts because I just didn't feel like I was working with the right clientele. I just decided to kind of move off on my own and maybe try to rebrand a little bit. So that was what I did in January of this year. And you were talking about hair salons, and for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned, they can definitely be overwhelming. And something that you do that I wish more hair salons and barbershops would do is create videos to help new customers understand what they understand what to expect when they go into the hair salon. So, so after all, you know, it can be a very stressful going to a new place. So what are some important expectations that you think like maybe other hair salons, barber shops, or just businesses overall should have in these type of videos? So the biggest thing that I really was able to benefit from with, you know, things like Google Maps and just kind of, you know, different online kind of features that, that businesses have nowadays, especially after the pandemic, to kind of give people a feel of like what to expect when they're coming back you know, reopening businesses and all that. And I found that to be very helpful because then I didn't feel like I had to maybe ask as many questions or, you know, I had to think too much about what do I bring with me? Can I wear this inside? What should I have? Like, what is the building going to look like? Am I going to be overwhelmed? It was a lot of that sort of thing. Really just kind of the video that I initially had posted was just to help people navigate through the building. We're a fairly large salon suite. I think we have about 30 units within our building. So it could be a little bit of a maze when you first walk in. So just kind of giving people an idea of like, you know, where the parking is, is going to be. Like, how do you get to the parking garage and make sure you park in the right parking garage? How do you find my room? Where's the bathroom? Where's, you know, basically just to bypass the potential of a lot of people like myself who maybe don't want to have to ask strangers for directions or hey, can you tell me where so-and-so is and just the human interaction, it really just negates a little bit of that so that if they feel like they don't want to talk to anyone, like then they don't have to. They can just look at my video and go, oh, okay, it's down this hall. I just need to, you know, find it down here. And it just eases a lot of stress and I feel like preparing us to, to go to things that maybe are not a big deal to other people, but they are to us. Now, I've supported many autistic people in getting their haircut. And one of the things that you do that I love is that you allow people and clients to text accommodations they might need before they arrive. So 
I'm sure this is so helpful to your clients, but I was wondering what feedback have you heard from them about having the option to text accommodations before they arrive? So I don't know that I've necessarily gotten a ton of feedback after the fact, but I think usually when they do text me, that's usually when I get the initial kind of like, oh my gosh, thank you for allowing me to give you a heads up on XYZ. It just makes things a lot more comfortable for me. It makes this a lot easier and it makes people want to come back because this is, you know, this is a service that everyone should be able to enjoy regardless of disability. And having, I think, that extra little bit of care and concern from the professional standpoint is really important. I would honestly love to even see other beauty professionals like nail technicians, massage therapists, and all of those things eventually maybe come around to doing something like that. I have a few people that, you know, they they can't handle having any sort of hand on their head at all while their hair is being cut. And for some cuts, that can be tricky, especially shorter ones. But thankfully, my longer-haired clients, you know, I don't even have to actually touch them with my hands at any point. I can just use, like, a wide-tooth cutting comb and just kind of scoop up sections directly from their scalp without actually touching them. So I've kind of learned, you know, a few different ways through just the differences that my clients have, how I can really kind of get creative and try to make it an enjoyable process for them. I also have a few people, you know, that they don't want to talk during their appointments. So I have a lot of people who do silent appointments. I have a lot of people that they'll usually kind of text me and let me know like what they're, you know, if they have light sensitivity, sound sensitivities, if they have any like specific scents or uh, aromas that they did really dislike. Usually I'm personally very sound and smell sensitive. So typically I try to make it as noisy with the option of having a tiny bit of music in the background but then also like a comfortable setting just for both of us because that way we can both kind of benefit from that. Yeah, definitely. And inclusive, it's just such a, you know, it's becoming more of a kind of a buzzword, but there's not usually like action behind that word. And when you do things like allowing people to text you, like it definitely feels, you know, it feels a lot more inclusive. And you said definitely you want to come back just you know, I want to go to your salon and, you know, just the fact that you have text availability. I wish so many more businesses would provide texting. I do too. Cause I mean, a lot of us don't like being on the phone either. I mean, you know, it's, it's one thing if we're having a conversation with somebody maybe who understands us and we're comfortable, but I certainly don't, I normally have everybody book online that way they can see visually what to expect of their pricing, uh, their services. Like they have all of the options laid out in front of them. I very rarely will answer the phone in general. So if the client is trying to contact me, I make it pretty clear to all of them. Feel free to text my number, but if you call me, you can leave a voicemail, but I'm probably not going to answer. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. If I don't see, if I don't know the number, I am unlikely to answer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we were talking a little bit about how haircuts can be overwhelming and, you know, just from a sensory experience. So... How do you kind of support people at your salon that have sensory differences? So my biggest thing is really just customization based on who it is that I'm seeing that day. You know, everybody is, is very, very different. So I have a lot of options kind of around the salon just to help kind of aid people through the process. You know, if people are a little bit more sound sensitive, especially to blow dryers and just noisy equipment in general, I have earplugs that I keep in a little like mason jar by my station. I have 
a number of fidget toys. My collection is slowly growing on that one, which is seems to be the favorite amongst anybody that I have in my chair. Because I also see a lot of people with ADHD. A lot of people just keep their hands busy under the tape while I'm cutting. It makes a huge difference. So between that, I have fluorescent light filters on the ceiling. So that kind of helps to buffer some of that light, especially above the shampoo bowl. Most of my product line is naturally scented. So I find that most people are not finding that to be, you know, as offensive as maybe synthetic fragrance. But yeah, I mean, those are the main things, just kind of having the option of, of not having to talk, not having to really like, you know, if someone doesn't want me to shampoo them, they can just come in with clean hair. I totally am very flexible with all of my services. The other thing is just really being able to kind of understand them from my own perspective as well. I think that it'd be one thing for a hairstylist that's neurotypical maybe to kind of see past those things or not see that they're the smaller things that can really be important and make a difference to their clients. I personally am not an eye contact person. So typically when I'm working on my clients, it's kind of nice that neither of us have that expectation of, you know, well, we have to make eye contact with each other. We have to shake each other's hand. We have to have small talk and go through all these things. And realistically, we don't have to do that. And I think that's why we're, we're both very comfortable with each other. And that alone has even made it easier for me to work in my career because I know that I'm also understood by my clients and I don't have to explain myself to anyone. So we, we really have kind of a, a good kind of relationship there. I really kind of cater it to, you know, whatever somebody needs. I think the only thing I am still working on being able to accommodate is really just the light differences besides the fluorescent lighting, creating a little bit less light. I do have a color changing glass orb lamps from Ikea and I have the color changing bulb in there. So sometimes if I'm shampooing people and they're having a little bit of overwhelm, I'll just turn the main lights off and then shampoo them with that color changing light going on. And my room is also equipped with sound insulation because it used to be a massage room previously. So my, my room in general is, is probably my favorite of the building. You know, it's in the back, it's kind of away from foot traffic and yeah, it's been really great. Now, some of the people I've went to salons with have uh, multiple marginalized identities, you know, in particular being autistic and having LGBTQ plus identities. Now, I know your salon, Talking Hairs, caters to folks with these intersectional um, identities. What are some really important things you think hair salons should do in supporting people with intersectional identities? So I think that for me, it was a, that was actually how I kind of shaped my clientele. Initially, I was working at an LGBTQ-focused salon around the time that I had gotten my diagnosis, and it kind of just overlapped because, you know, there are so many of us that are both. I'm not sure of the exact statistic, but something like 70% of people that are on the autism spectrum also identify somewhere on the LGBTQ spectrum as well. So there was just kind of this natural overlap of like, you know, well, well, if we have one, we probably have the other. So it was just kind of an effortless blend of my, of the communities there that I really didn't even have to kind of push for. It was just already there. So I felt very lucky in that way. I'm genderqueer and I also, you know, would like to be able to be comfortable around my clients in that way as well and not feel like I have to, you know, explain myself. All of my services are gender neutral in terms of pricing and in terms of what they're doing. I don't call haircuts men, men's or women's haircuts. They're more like short, long haircuts, you know, very specific to really just whatever it is they need done. 
I'm a little bit trauma-informed. I try to work with, you know, make sure I know everyone's pronouns the minute that I meet them, and I try to write that down in a note. So really, I just kind of try to treat them the way that I would want to be treated, and I think that it's really important that we have a space that caters to both of those identities. I'm always thinking about community and connection, and I know for autistic and neurodivergent folks, connecting with others who share those neurotypes can be extremely helpful in their journey. So I read that you have about 185 or so clients uh, through your salon, Talking Hairs. What's been your experience for you in developing community and connection through your business? To be honest, it's been a huge life changer in terms of just feeling like I have somewhere to fit in. For a long time, working in the hair industry and not knowing that I was autistic was really hard because I felt like I was consistently being misunderstood by people or misunderstanding them. I never really, you know, I had okay relationships with people I had worked with in the past, but just always felt like something was off about me personally or the connection between myself and that existing community, the beauty industry in Denver. But yeah, once I kind of made the switch, it was it was very easy for me to just be like, yeah, okay, these are my people. These are the people that I am meant to be around. These are the people I'm, I'm meant to be servicing in the beauty industry because a lot of us kind of feel like maybe we're forgotten as well. It's made a huge difference. I've made a lot of friends through what it what I do. Um, a lot of my clients and I, like, you know, the occasional time that any of us really want to go out and socialize at night or anything, we all kind of, a few of us will go together and just kind of, as a group, kind of try to <laughs> try to hang out in the masses. So it's it's been really, really nice. I've, I really wasn't ever expecting anything like this, but it just kind of, you know, fell naturally into place that I kind of had to put my foot down for my own my own sensory health in terms of, you know, workspaces and then everything else just kind of followed. And all of a sudden I had a lot of clients. I want to say probably since the last time I was, I was interviewed by Denver seven, I think I probably have over 200 now. Granted, a lot of them are, you know, college kids. I don't see a lot of them on a super regular basis, but I do have quite a few of them and whether they have ADHD or they're autistic or really any other neurodivergence, I feel like that it's a very symbiotic relationship that I have with them just being able to be myself and talk about things that I have a hard time with. And then typically a lot of my clients have a lot of those things in common. So we have a lot of things to talk about. We have a lot of like common ground to share. And also I feel like we have a lot of support to offer each other. So that's, that's been really great. And I feel like it's honestly, that's kind of why I'm trying to like, keep it all, keep it all running. You know, I'm trying to keep it together and pretty much spend any money that I have into this business so that I can make sure that we all have a place to be and a place for us to get our hair cut and just feel better because we all deserve that. And how can people learn more about your business, Talking Hairs? So you can, uh, they can follow me on Instagram at talking underscore hairs. It's all lowercase. I have a booking website, talkinghairs.square.site. That's all lowercase as well. I do have a link tree, which I think is link tree slash talking hairs i do believe there is an underscore in between talking and hairs they yeah mostly just instagram is usually the best way to follow me all of my contact information is on my link tree and also on my instagram as well typically email is the best way to get a hold of me if someone has you know a consultation question or if they you know want to ask me something specific about an appointment or give me a heads up that's really, I think, the main thing. I'm located on the east side of the University of Denver campus, 
So also I'm happy to, you know, meet with people if they ever want to come check the shop out. They can just get a hold of me or even just stop by and, you know, our concierge will show them where I'm at. I'm pretty happy to just kind of talk with people about it if they have any sort of questions. I also have a Facebook page that's Talking Hairs on Facebook. Well, Demi, I really appreciate your time today. And if if uh, all like hair salons or, or you know barber shops or wherever was inclusive as yours, I think I would get my hair cut a lot more often because it seems like a, a fun experience versus some something that I I'm like, oh, do I have to do this? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's, you know, I never liked getting my hair cut as a kid. There's plenty of pictures of me, you know, having my hair blow dried by our hairstylist and I just look absolutely miserable. And I think it's funny to look back on it now that I am a hairstylist and I'm like, well, at the time I didn't know that I was autistic. Nobody did, I think. And so they just assumed that I just was miserable at the salon just for the sake of being miserable. But really, I was in sensory overload the whole time. So I think that if, you know, ideally my goal in the future would be to be able to go salon to salon to, you know, kind of train or inform a lot of, you know, the staff just on how they can better handle that. I think that that would be something that would be really good, even just in smaller salons. Bigger salons are a little bit more difficult to get, you know, people on board with that sort of thing kind of collectively at the same time. So that would be something I would really like to do just because, you know, I mean, yeah, obviously I'm in Denver and there needs to be more options like that. You know, there's a lot of us and we all deserve a place to go and feel good about ourselves and good with the way that we look, especially with somebody that might be more informed about sensory specific haircuts and things like that. You know, a lot of us don't like having hair touching our ears or our foreheads and things like that. So just having someone that can offer those suggestions, make people comfortable in the long run would be really, really helpful. So that's definitely a goal I have for the future. Thanks so much, Tammy. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much to Demi for the conversation. To learn more about Demi and Talking Hairs, please check out the link in the podcast description for this episode. So this is the part of the episode where I'm going to tell you about Autism Personal Coach and how we can be helpful in your life. Did you know that at Autism Personal Coach, we provide extraordinary support to live self-sufficient and purpose-driven lives through our customized coaching? If this is something that you're interested in learning more about, please visit AutismPersonalCoach.com for more information. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Autism Stories, and if you did, if you could tell a friend, foe, or anyone you know about it so they could have the same enjoyable and educational experience as you when listening to Autism Stories, it would be very much appreciated. Until next time, I'm Doug Bletcher of Autism Personal Coach. Talk to you then.